What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Juicy Drake Rogers, up in the building right now. And to the left of me, I have the beautiful sun-kissed angel to my left, the man with the tan, Mr. David Wise. Davey, let the people know what we're talking about today. All right, everybody. Today, we are talking some future talk. We're also going to talk the importance of the rest of the schedule. And I will caveat this later, but Dr. Day is going to give you his diagnosis on what's wrong with the Clemson Tigers. Oh, I can't wait for that diagnosis. And folks, thank you so much for making us our for your first listen every single day. I thank you. Dave thanks you. Max thanks you. Holly and Stacy, always thanking you. And with that being said, let's get on with today's show. You are locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. As we said earlier, it's your boy Drake here, and I am joined by Mr. David Wise. Davey, what's good and good looking? I'm loving this cold weather, man. It's getting chilly, and I'm all for it. See, that's the one thing I miss actually about living up in Baltimore where like I'm back down in South Florida where I don't get that, you know, that nice fall weather, yeah. the crisp winds. But uh, I will say it'll be nice when I'm in my pool this weekend when it's freezing everywhere else. But we are not here to give you the weather forecast. That's a different show, a different channel, different brand. We're here to talk about FSU football. And as we said at the top of the show, we're here to discuss the future. The future looks very bright for Florida State Seminoles with for the first time in what, Dave, two or three years, we got the second stringers to play some snaps. Yeah, real snaps too. I think we even got some third string efforts in there. Yeah, I think we had a bunch of walk-ons. I think um, David Stickle. I think he's a walk-on tight end that converted to center. He took some snaps. And I'm like, wow, I have not seen a Florida State team dominate like this since what, 2017? I think you guys touched about it, touched about it earlier yeah. in the week. Years, years and years, years and years and years, but. Why don't we talk? I want to take a little bit of a deeper dive into actually the players that we saw take those meaningful snaps. And one of the big names that we do here on Twitter is kind of your favorite player, probably one of your favorite recruits for the past few years, uh, Mr. Chubba Purdy. Chubba actually did perform really well. He was five for five with 98 yards. I will caveat it was against UMass. And not only was it against UMass, it was against UMass's reserves due to injury. But Dave, I want you to talk a little more about what you liked. What, what exactly did you like? that you saw from Mr. Purdy on, this, on Saturday. Okay, so taking, everybody can say, oh, UMass, UMass. He looked different than last year. There were a lot of people who watched him play last year compared to his high school highlights and said to themselves, that's not the arm I thought we were getting. I, I don't know if it, I don't know what it was. Probably a lot of injuries. But his arm last year just didn't, it just wasn't there. There was no power to his throws. Uh, it felt a lot like an Alex Cornybrook type situation. And that's not what you saw out of him in high school. Fast forward to this UMass game, and that boy was putting some power behind his throws. It wasn't just the fact that it was five for five. It's that he was making good decisions. It's that he was delivering the ball, not just with accuracy, but with a lot more power and it was exactly what made me hyped about him last year. I, I thought this this arm was the arm we were going to see. And if that's really what it is, paired with some good decision making, I'm really excited to see him play more quarterback. Yeah, I've actually finally got the chance to watch the game. I didn't watch this past Saturday. I actually was out of town and trying to get away from a little bit of everything. But 
Yeah, I did like what I saw a lot. Actually, Wood Chubbo on my rewatch, I I I did earlier, and one of the differences you see that he's, I will say, he struggled a lot last year in those games where whether it be due to injury or just not knowing the playbook, where I give Jordan Travis the same kind of flack going into the year, where a lot of the short stuff he misses on, intermediate stuff he misses on also. He has a good deep ball, but he was so much more inconsistent with it last year. But now you see where it looks like it's not only it's all coming together, but also we say the same thing with Jordan Travis. He's he's a lot more confident with each throw he yeah. makes, which every rep he takes, especially when he steps into it, where it's I feel a lot more confident with the QB room with both him and Travis in there going into the next year. Yeah, plus Duffy coming in. Can't forget about that. No, oh, we can't forget about that. But he's not starting. He's he's not going to push for a starting job until maybe. If he is, if he is good enough to push for a starting job, we have a good problem on our hands. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But with with Purdy, that kind of leads me to beg the next question. Then, where do you, I I know, like I said before, it was UMass. Do you see him actually making a push for that starting job next year? Because I will say that Travis has taken a big, much bigger leap with whether it be confidence, whether it be staying healthy, and also with. Sort of just like how he actually maintains the play and also he avoids contact. Do you actually see him making a push for a starting role next year? I think it depends. I think one thing we learned about this coaching staff this year is that they're going to put who they feel is the best player on the field, regardless of their situation. Like, and there's a lot more freshmen playing now, we're seeing. Uh, they, I know Mackenzie Milton was the older guy, but he was new to the team and they gave him the start. And I, I'm confident in this staff that they're going to at least try to put the best player out there and not just, we know Kenny Dillingham has a man crush on Jordan Travis and he's said as much. Um, and look, if Jordan Travis and Tova Purdy improve at the same, by the same amount going into next year, I got to think Jordan Travis remains the starter. But if Chubba takes a big leap and he just clearly commands the offense and his arm continues to improve and he makes good decisions in practice to the point where he's clearly the best quarterback, I got to imagine he's going to get a look at starter. I agree with that. But, I mean, he's not the only freshman. Not freshman. He's not the only second string that we saw actually have, you know, decent action in the game. We saw DJ Williams finally. Like, I, I heard you guys say that he was a bit of a, been of a, bit of a disappointment. I don't oh, go. Down. I did not say that. <laughs> that was nice. All right. Sorry, Max said that, but you you were there. You sat there in silence. You co-signed it to an extent. I saw you on the YouTube page, by the way, folks. Go over checking out Locked On Simmons YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the little bell. Get notifications whenever we get on. But we DJ Williams actually like to me. It's more that he's got Jay Sean Corbin, who's destined for the NFL now at this point. Arguably, right. you have Trayshawn Ward, who might honestly like with another year under his belt, might even get drafted higher than Jay Sean Corbin because of his court because of his field vision, but. With DJ Williams, like in the backfield with that, we saw actually a very, very, a very talented back back there. And that's someone I'm very excited to see actually maybe be RB1 or RB1B going into next year. And then also on the defense side of the ball, we saw Joshua Farmer get snaps. We saw Shaheen Brown get snaps. Demory Tate, who we've been waiting on for what it feels like three to four years, he's, only, he's in his second year, that he finally got snapped. And there's a lot of players out there that we we're just super, we should be super excited about. Like I said, it was against UMass, but Still, we've been waiting for a game to showcase their, their talent, and they showed out. Yeah, that's why it's it's not just important to win games big just because it feels good or just to know you can. It's important to do it because you get the young guys' time. Like Farmer and Brown, which is Farmer Brown, that's kind of funny. It's, yeah. it's important to get them snaps <laughs> because 
Jermaine Johnson ain't going to be here next year. And we got to know what that unit's going to look like going into the next year. Uh, and seeing guys like that get some meaningful playing time, I'm meaningful against UMass, but get some playing time and get some real game situations, that's encouraging. And if, if we get him another chance to do more this year, that means Florida State's playing pretty good. You got to be feel better now about that. And one thing that makes me feel immensely better is sweat block, folks. Dave has known me for, Dave, how long have you known me? Quite a while. Quite, Quite a while, quite a while. And what's one of the big things that you know I like to enjoy when I'm going out? Sweating profusely, Drake. You love sweating profusely. Sweating profusely because I love to embarrass myself and my friends. And also, <laughs> I'm always wearing the lightest colors possible because I'm from South Florida. But now, thanks to sweat block, I don't have to go out of my way to buy darker clothes, darker V-necks. Because trust me, I'm in the express aisle 24-7, 365. Or now I can go to Bonobos. I can go to Lululemon and get those nice pastel color shirts. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, you see Dave has a nice salmon color on. That's one of my favorite colors to wear out. I haven't been able to do that until sweat block. Sweat block is doctor created, doctor recommended. If you, It will stop excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. There's a dry shirt guarantee. And you can find them anywhere, whether it be Amazon or CVS, or you can go directly to the source. At sweatblock.com by using promo code locked on to get 20% off your order. Once again, that promo code is locked on L O C K E D O N for 20% off your order at sweatblock.com. And one of the big reasons, you know, I like to sweat out, I like to eat a lot. And one of my favorite restaurants, one of Dave's favorite restaurants, and something sort of that's sort of a staple of our boy Max is McDonald's. Oh, this yeah. episode of Oh, yeah. This episode of Locked On Samuels is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving community since 1965. One of my biggest memories actually with McDonald's is going to a Little League game. I'm oh, sorry, going after the Little League game to go there, grab myself a McDouble, a McChicken, and you know your boy was crushing Eminem McFlurry. Dave, what's your go to order McDonald's? Uh, like you said, it's a McDouble, it's a spicy chicken sandwich, got to be a large fry, and a McFlurry, you know, every now and then. But the yeah, and McFlurry's the goat. Oh, yeah, and you dump your fries in the McFlurry for a little of that sweets and savory kind of action right there. That might be just me judging by the look on Dave's face right now. But, folks, we love McDonald's. Trust us that, that McDonald's is a great place for affordable, tasty food where family and friends meet up. And as we said earlier, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, we're loving it. We are. So now, Dave, let's move on a little bit to our next segment that we have for today. We're going to look ahead to the rest of the schedule because I think that Max and I did it to an extent. I don't think we actually had a chance for you to discuss it to a little more deeper uh, with you. So I kind of want to get your take on where do you see us potentially stealing some wins and actually potentially making a bowl game because we only need three more wins. And yeah. this schedule, as we've discussed, is a murderer's row coming into the year. However, it seems that this is a little bit more attainable, especially after this past weekend. So, Dave, let me get your thoughts for – we'll discuss the Clemson game in a little bit, but I want you to take you from NC State, which is the week after, and beyond. So what does Dave see coming up? I see a lot of vulnerability on the schedule. I see a lot less daunting of a task than it seemed not that long ago. Uh, Miami is just collapsed. Oh, my God, it's beautiful. They're not a good football team. I, I genuinely don't think they're better than Florida State. That – that being a home game, I'm expecting to win that football game. They should have lost last week. I still cannot believe they didn't. Lucky lucky break for them, I guess. Uh, they're not good. Boston College is going to be a shootout. 
I, I don't think you're going to see much defense out of that team. They're great on offense. I think I think we could easily beat that team too. I, I'm not going to sit here and say we should, uh, but we put together a solid offensive performance. I think that's not a difficult game for us to pull out. Uh, Florida, Florida doesn't look very good. It, it, you're not hearing a lot about what's going on at Florida right now, but you know there's something. I don't know if it's that Mullen is halfway out the door. I don't really care. They don't look good. They were playing the wrong guy at quarterback all year. You Credit to you. You said AR-15 was the guy He's that so should good. have been starting at quarterback so all good. year. He is good. They were starting the wrong guy. I'm a little scared to see what happens when they actually do start him to see if that kind of fixes things for him. I hope it doesn't. Um, but they're beatable. They're not this daunting top 10 type team that we thought they would be a few weeks ago. Uh, again, I'm not expecting to beat them, but it'd be far from a surprise if we did. Yeah, I think one of the big things that we saw with the NC State Miami game is that I like Tyler Van Dyke, to his credit, I said a lot of stuff about him. I locked on NC on Friday that he's not a good quarterback. Yeah. I, he actually performed a lot better than I thought, but NC State, I think, gifted Miami that game with a lot yeah. of drop passes. I think. Someone said it that the wide receiver or the tight end for NC State had a negative 18 EPA at the end of the game. And I think he had like five or six drop passes. And honestly, that's that's going to lose you football games. And the, some of the play calling, you can definitely see where I said it with Mac Brown. He will never beat Florida State. He's like, what, 0-11 at this point. Dave Dorn, I think, is like 0-5 against Miami. So there's some things that just never doesn't happen. And then the Miami game is going to be huge because if they rattle off another win, that might be, they're going to have two, four, and five, maybe teams, you know, sorry, four and four teams, you know, heading into Doe Campbell. And that's suddenly a game that we all thought was going to be, oh, FSU's on, on a downtrend and Miami Head doesn't have Derek King. That's going to be a big game for recruiting as well. Yeah, that's, it's, it's not a must win because they were expected to beat us going into the year and as recently as a few weeks ago. I, I'm not going to call it a must win. I don't even think it's the most important game left on our schedule, but winning that game would really put a nail in the coffin of everything going wrong for that team, including their head coach being what 99% out the door, uh, which throws a lot of uncertainty into recruiting, which was already really bad for the university of Miami capitalizing on them being down, uh, not, not even just winning the game. That's one thing, but like the long-term implications of putting a nail in Miami's coffin and just beating them when they're down, that's so important. To me, the game got more important because of how bad Miami got, especially, yeah. beca especially because we're in on them for similar targets, whether it be uh, DeMario Tolan or Wesley Besaint. I think there's another, um, another wide receiver that's escaping the top of my head. But it, that game to me is extremely important just for recruiting, just for the yep. state of Florida, because like if we beat Miami, that, will, that might make us look to be the most fascinating and enticing option to recruits out of all the big three Florida schools, in my personal opinion. But you know what's bizarre? We'd be the most stable program, I think, in Florida. Explain. Manny Diaz is clearly going to be out the door. I don't think it matters what they do the rest of the year. It feels an awful lot like Gator Nation has no idea what to expect with Dan Mullen, but that they're not confident he's going to be there. I hope he stays forever because he's an awful recruiter and he blows big situations. But that flux alone, at a minimum, you know, for better or worse, we're stuck with Mike Norvell. 
seems right now, the way things have gone the last few weeks, like that's a good thing. But at a minimum, we have stability and consistency among the staff. Okay. I actually can get behind that. I actually didn't really think of it that way because like, yeah, because from all accounts, from people that I talk to, Manny's out. If we're, yeah. if, and I don't think, the, I think the only thing is just when, and if we beat him at, if we beat him at Doak, I mean, that kind of solidified the end of Tackers tenure at FSU. It could be the same thing for Manny Diaz because they, we hate them just as much as they hate us. So it's, that's definitely something they need to look out for. And then for Dan Mullen, I think he missed his window with last year with the too. With going to the Jags, the coach Trevor Lawrence, that'd be amazing. Or even the year before with Dak Prescott at the Cowboys. Yep. And now the Raiders have the Raiders have a head coaching spot available. There's going to be probably a few more firings in the NFL. I think he I think he basically went into the year thinking that I'm going to be done with Kyle Trask, with Kyle Pitts to have his dynamic offense. I'm going to look great and I'm going to dip out. And then he's like, Oh no, I'm still here. So that's yeah. definitely that's definitely a good point to bring it with stability. So you didn't, but you did say that you didn't think Miami was the most important game on the remaining schedule. Which one do you think that one is? Who are we playing this week, Drake? We are playing. Uh, let me look up my phone real quick just to double. We're playing Clemson, dude. I know. Yes, we are. That's the most important game on the schedule to me. They've been on top. They're vulnerable. Uh, being a team that's been in every college football playoff, basically, that's a uh, that's a big deal when you're trying to come back from the bottom. I don't care where they are. They've been on top every year for the last, what, six years, five, six years. I can't count. That's dude. a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, to me, I still don't think it's the most important game on our schedule because if we do beat them, that they are extremely downtrodden. But I do see the point where they have been to the CFP every year except for, I think, maybe the first year. Yeah. So, which is going to be a big feather in archive if we do beat them. And also, especially after the whole debacle where last year with Dabo and the entire situation behind the canceling of, canceling of the game where I just want to beat the crap out of Dabo. That's just more my personal thing. So before we go to the commercial break, I do want to ask you then, what do you see as the, the three games that we can definitely, that are, are the most winnable games so we can actually get, get back to the bowl game? Because I think going to a bowl game is extremely important for not only recruiting, but for the extra practices. And also we're, we might see some coaching staff turnover as well. So I kind of want to ask you, what do you see as the most important, not the most important, the most the games that which we can most most likely to win heading into the end of the year. I, I think NC State is eminently beatable. I don't think Miami's very good, and they managed to take care of business, even if NC State did give them the game. Uh, I think that's a winnable game. I think Boston College, uh, they don't play a whole lot of defense, which kind of bucks the usual trend up in Chestnut Hill. Uh, if we outscore them, which I think is certainly possible, I think our defense is better than theirs. And I could see us winning that game. I, I think it's probably better than a coin flip for Boston College. For the last one, among the three options, Florida, Clemson, Miami. I, I, I got to think it's Miami, man. They should be two and five right now. They, they're not good. Without De'Ara King, like Van Dyke had a performance a little bit against NC State, but he's not a good quarterback and their defense isn't playing that well. That's They're just not particularly good at anything that you know puts fear into you yeah it's not it's not that they're they're not awful at everything either they're just not a sound football team they don't, i mean sorry they're one thing that they actually are really bad at i think they're bottom 10 in tackling which is whether it be too much effort or they're just you know trying to get with the shoulder or they just don't want to wrap up it's just something that you see you see it where 
especially in the game against Michigan State where Kenneth Walker is like about to cut up the hole and the, the, the linebacker yeah. just turns to his right. And instead of hitting the guy in the open space, he literally turns and goes into his own man or he nope. goes straight into the blocker <laughs> where I'm like, I thought I was watching uh, the Miami-Michigan State game, not FSU from two years ago. But I kind of agree with you there. I think the most winnable game at the end of our schedule probably is Miami, followed by Boston College, who I thought was a really good team heading into the year. I, I think losing Phil Dracovic really hurt them. Their defense has gotten actually better from the beginning of the year, but their offense has regressed dramatically with Dan Grassell turning into a pumpkin from the Cinderella, you know, carries that he was. And then I think Florida is actually more beatable than Clemson, so primarily on the sole fact because I don't think Dan Mullen is going to start AR-15. And if he starts Emory Jones, we can stop the run. Emory Jones, to me, is what Jordan Travis was last year, a dynamic runner who is inaccurate when it counts. If they play AR-15, I will switch that. But for right now, I think it's Miami, Florida. Sorry, it's Miami, Boston College, and then Florida. But before we let you guys get out of here, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about our friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-run business for the past 30 years. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. My Theo Francisco, shout out Delray Beach, Florida, has had his own mechanic shop since he came from Panama since for the past 25 years. He's been a customer for them for about the past 20. And whether you know you want a fuel pump, some brake lines, or if you're like me, you spill some coffee in your car, need some you know new carpets, new lining for your seats, they have it as they they give you a better price because if you go to the dealer or if you go straight to you know a part store, they'll mark it up by 30%, 50%, even sometimes up to 100%. Folks, head over to rockout.com and you will get the best price reliably low for every single customer. And when you head over to rockout.com, don't forget to write locked on in their how'd you hear about section so they know that we sent you. A main selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And folks, it's that time again. As you know, when it's just Dave and I on the show and we got Boundline.ag Adri coming to you, it's Fade Dave time. Fade Dave is back once again. And I think actually, Dave, you're one on one with your Fade Dave fix so far for the year. Yeah, it's disappointing. Yeah, you're not particularly good at gambling anymore, man. I'm sorry. Okay, but yeah. I'm going to pick you a game right now. Okay. i give you a Big Ten game because I know how much you love, you know, sloppy, defensive, no offense football. Mm. And I'm going to pick you a game that where you particularly have a, a fond feeling for one of the head coaches in this game. So at noon on Saturday, we have the University of Michigan Wolverines going mm. up against Michigan State at Eats Lansing. Michigan State is a plus four underdog. And the total is under 50 and a half. What, Dave, is your pick? Oh, Andres. Jim Frog. Don't, don't call me that. Don't call me that. You know that. Only Camp call me that. <laughs> Jim Jim Frogbaugh. You're about to learn about it. You don't know. Jim Harbaugh is never able to put it all together. Having a great little adorable campaign this year. That is just like a ticking time bomb ready to implode or explode. Give me Michigan State. Mark it down. Michigan is losing this football game outright. Michigan State plus whatever points, money line, they're winning this football game. So, folks, you heard it here first. Davis again, Michigan State plus the points. So, lock in Michigan minus four as we speak right now. Today, <laughs> Dave, full transparency, folks. I took Michigan State at open at plus three and a half, and I took the money line this morning at plus 162. But Dave's pick is Michigan State plus four. 
So we're now we're going to try a new segment we like to call Dr. Dave's a Diagnosis. Not Triple D. That's actually the basketball-centric pod or segment of a po- episode that we're going to you know come back with next week. But this is something we want to try because Dave is a, has an affinity for the advanced metrics or Saber metrics. He's a big FBI guy, S&P Plus, PFF, all those three-letter acronyms that a bunch of nerds make up on the internet because they didn't play football. But Dave... I want you to give us your diagnosis of what exactly do you think is wrong with the Clemson Tigers? Okay. So first of all, I am not a medical doctor. I have a doctorate degree, but this is not medical advice. Although some would say there's a lot wrong with the health of the Clemson Tigers right now. Nice. Oh, Drake. What's the most bizarre thing to me is if you look at like F plus, they have Clemson ninth overall in the country. If you look at ESPN FBI, which I don't care much for, they have Clemson as the 10th best team in the country. Drake, I don't need to be a doctor to tell you that I have two eyes. I've watched Clemson play football. They're neither the 9th, 10th, or anywhere between 0 and 40th best team. They're not a top 40 football team. They have a very good defense. Uh, Maybe even a great defense. I don't think so, but maybe. They have a really bad offense. a lot of it obviously is on their quarterback play. DJ Uyungle is just off. And, you know, again, for the second time this episode, credit to you. You called it. He is, wow, he's not only just not Trevor Lawrence, he's not a competent ACC quarterback this year. He is missing receivers by a mile. Not And, and it's not just like a common miss. It's not just high or low. He's missing high. He's missing low. He's missing left. He's missing right. He's just not on target. If you look at football outsiders, they are outside the top 50 in passing down line yards, and they're outside the top 60 in passing down sack rate. So they're not doing him a whole lot of favors. However, with this with this quarterback situation and their inability to consistently move the football or really generate explosive plays, the receivers haven't been great. Their running back room has been I know recently hampered by injury, but clearly they've had a problem replacing Etienne. They're not good on offense. And I think they're averaging 20 points a game. Our defense has improved. I don't see them just suddenly turning it on on offense. It leads me to believe that it's the kind of team where if you score 27-ish against them, you got to feel good about your chance to win. No, I agree with that. And one, like to me, one of the big things that, is holding them back is it is the quarterback play. And it's really weird that he like DJ, like coming to the year, like to me, I think his ceiling is Taj Boyd. I, I had it coming to the year. Like it's not going to be, they don't have the same weapons around him. Like Travis Etienne was a great security blanket for Trevor Lawrence. And also Trevor Lawrence was probably one of the more gifted passes that we've seen in the past 10 years. I mean, he has slow start with the Jaguars, but if you watch actually watch Jaguars games and tape, he's progressed every single single, he's at, he's progressed every single week where we saw people yeah. that, People were big on Justin Fields' train, and he is still struggling, actually, with the Bears. But that, to me, is more a product of how, how bad the Bears' offensive line is and how bad McNaggy is a, as a head coach. But with DJ, like, who's he going to throw the ball to? Justin Ross yeah. is, isn't the same person. He, I remember last year, he was held out due to a neck and spine injury, and you just yep. double cover him. Uh, Joseph Ngata, I think, is hurt. Aju Aju is, a, is like, I think, a second-year player who is not the same. And their running backs, I think they had three of them go out. Will Shipley came back, but that's a true freshman at running back. He's not Travis Etienne, and they had another kid hit the portal. And I'm looking at the list right now of players that I heard from Clemson. There's about five of them on this list right now. I'm showing my screen right now. There's about five of them that are offensive linemen. 
And to me, that just shows like they're they've been snake bit by their injury bug. But the problem with that excuse, it's week nine. And yeah. with big being week nine, everyone's hurt. FSU was hurt throughout the entirety of the beginning of the year, especially on the offensive line. We got healthy and we got back together. But also with Clemson, you're recruiting at a top five, top three clip, and you're not able to replenish. You're not supposed to, you know, rebuild. You're Clemson. You're supposed to reload. And that to me is one of the bigger problems you see. It goes, I think, from coaching with play calling with Dabo and Tony Elliott, even though Dabo has taken over play calling dues primarily. And then with DJ, who even when he hits hits his wide receivers out in space, they drop the damn ball. Yeah. And it's to me, it's 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 a mixture of a kid that's lost confidence. It's a mixture of him also trying to do too much because he has nothing else around him either too so that's a that offense is just it's hurt it's it's hurting bad and it's it's a wounded animal that we need to take advantage of that's the the strangest thing about dj is he looks the part he looks like an just a big uh what is he like six five six six he's yeah he's a big he's six five six six i mean they call him big single for a reason he's heavy i mean when he when he lets a throw go downfield i mean the guy could probably throw 80 yards he has like the raw physical tools in there. He's definitely pressing. Uh, I'm I'm certain he's trying to make up for the issues around him, and it's just not coming together. It, it just looks like everything goes wrong every play, and matriculating the ball down the field just feels extremely difficult for them. Which is funny because every other year, every other year we played Clemson, it's always felt like why does the field feel so small when when we're on offense, but so big when they are. And that is the exact opposite of how it's looked for them this year. So then before we head out here, let's talk about the defense then for Clemson real quick. I think it's a very good defense. That's yeah. a team, though, even if even though it could have been elite, but they did lose Brian Brzee. Max, you actually did a good job Monday and Tuesday pronouncing his name. So kudos to both of you guys. Y'all did good on that, actually. But And they did get Tyler Booth back, but they lost some linebackers. They did lose some kids to the portal. I want to ask you, what should fans' expectations be for our offense against their defense hanging Saturday, because I don't think we should light them up. A lot of people think yeah. that we should we should be rung all over them, passing all over them. That to me is just not the case. So, what do you think that should be our expectations for the offense on Saturday? What do you think we should do to capitalize actually on a potentially tired uh, Clemson defense because their offense might not be able to move the ball? Yeah, so it's the um, I have the opposite thought of what I did for UNC, where I said I think we're going to need to go out there and just really try some things and and in, make some strange special plays. I don't think that's the case here. I think I don't think we need to change anything. You're, Jordan Travis is going to need to be special. He's going to need to be able to break when plays break down to just not get caught. You've seen a few instances this year where we question ourselves. Has he lost a step? I, I think those questions in my mind are gone. But I, I don't know that we're going to beat them trying to air the ball out, which is what I thought, how I thought we would beat UNC. I, this running game is the strength of this entire team. If we're going to win this game, it's going to be because Jordan Travis is running the ball in a way that sets up the running game, like running to play action, the actual run. It, it's it's going to have to rely on the run game. We're going to have to have some big play action plays probably off of the run game once it's been established, but I don't expect us. I don't expect us to score four touchdowns. I think if we score 27 in this game, which is a realistic target, I think we probably win. Yeah. Um, for since Dave keeps referring to that, it's basically because I think we talked about the other day where Clemson has not scored more than 21 points against an FBS opponent all year. Clemson also hasn't covered in any single game yep. heading into this year. I think that's, 
this is the most vulnerable thing we've seen Clemson come, I think, probably since what, 2010, maybe 2011. Like it's it's a team that definitely it it, it gives me shades of the FSU team from 2017 and Jimbo's last year, where a prominent coaching spot opens up, the team isn't performing very very well, cracks are showing with recruiting, cracks are showing with you know QB selection and personnel decisions where. It to me, I'm not saying Dow's gonna leave your LSU. I think it's gonna still be there, but it's very eerily similar to how we were, you know, we were downtrodden, and especially because we got blown up by Oregon in 2015, sorry, 2014. They got blown up by Ohio State, and that by a similar quarterback. Yep. So I'm actually I'm a little more optimistic on this game. But before we head out of here, Dave, I want you to give your prediction since you know it's you and I. Come on, let's. Uh, what, what do you pick for the final score of this game? I'm prepared to do it, Drake. I'm prepared to get hurt again. I am expecting to win this football game. That is a bad Clemson football team. We are going to win, I'm going to say 27 again, 27 to 20. We're we're not only going to cover that 10-point spread, I almost wish you could do one of those fleezers where you you give them points because I don't expect to lose this game. Momentum's real. Oh, the pleasers talk. You're you're speaking my love language right now, man, about pleasers, but... Ah, uh, this is really hard for me to make my choice on this one. I'm not going to lie to you. There's just something deep, deep down in my gut that has me a little worried about this game. But but you know what, Dave? It. We are going to win this game. Folks, yeah, we are. I said it about UNC. I said it going to Notre Dame, which we should have won if it wasn't for coaching decisions. But for UNC, I am riding in there. I will with you, Dave. But we're going to win 28-27. to 27. We're going we're gonna to score... And it's going to be a closer game than we expect. It's going to be at Death Valley, which is as packed as it's going to be. I got a friend of mine there who's going to be in the the Raptors, actually the the upper level where he he told me he's going to try to catch one of those overthrows by DJ by DJ up there, so he might be able to get some uh, to the show. But nice. I think twenty eight twenty seven would be a closer game. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to where Clemson's driving and they miss a field goal. You know how much Dabo hates his kicker, or if we win the game again by you know Fitz Magic back there. But folks. That is it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for the love and support. Please, if you can, don't forget to rate, review, like, share, or subscribe either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, hit the subscribe button, and ring that little bell so you get a notification whenever whenever we new content drops down. And also, we have a Discord now too as well. DM either myself at Tally underscore for Drake or David Wise's FSU Knowles 5. Sorry, Knowles 5, you know. He's, he's a little newer to the internet. He's a kind of a boomer when it comes to technology, but we love him for it anyways. For myself, Drake, that was David, and we'll see you next time on Lockdown Samuel, baby. Bye, Dabo.